Hey everyone and welcome. I'm Kathy Baker and I'm so glad you're joining me for my series on Psalm 23. We're looking today at verse 4, my shepherd in the valleys and in my fears. This is where Psalm 23 takes a bit of a turn. In the first three verses, David's talking about the Lord, but in verse 4, his language shifts from this third person referring to God to actually referring to God as you, as if he is in a prayer. He begins talking directly to God. So he's moved from testimony about the wonderful provisions that his shepherd provides to actually talking to God. Uh, and so he's talking now about how God is going to guide us in some very difficult times, in the down times of life. When shepherds would take their flocks to areas to graze, they sometimes had to go through some valleys. I want us to think about the word valley. I live here in the Tennessee Valley, our beautiful Tennessee Valley. It's the, the drainage basin of the Tennessee River. And many of you who are viewing this also live in our Tennessee Valley. I want us to think about our valley in the, in the context of hundreds of years ago. We're going to remove from our image all of the houses and businesses and railroads and any other man-built fixture in the Tennessee Valley. I want us to think about how lush it may have looked. I want us to think about the mountains that surround us, Lookout Mountain on one side and Signal Mountain on another side, and then think about the in-between part and how it comes together and would have been such a lush and beautiful sight. There would have been plenty of space for animals to graze and to roam around. And so I want us to think about that in contrast to how this the valleys may look in Israel. Uh, they have very steep hills and very deep mountains. There are deep crags and there are the mountains and ridges are so high and connected almost closely together that when you get to the very bottom then you could actually reach your arms out and touch either side of the mountain and so those are the deep crags and valleys that david is describing though that is the area where david would take his sheep. He would take his sheep around those mountains and shepherds do that even today. They would take their sheep around those mountains and those sheep would have to follow so closely because if they didn't, they could fall off of that mountain ledge down into that deep crag, never to be seen or found again. It was treacherous journey. And so David is referring to this deep valley and I had the privilege of going in 2020 on a pilgrimage of the Holy Land with a group from our church, Christ United Methodist Church, and I witnessed these valleys, and I walked in the valleys, and I walked in the mountains in the wilderness. Some of us extended our trip to Jordan, and we drove to the Jordan Valley from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea and the Araba Valley, ending in Eliot. And you, you can see on a map that this valley range covers the entire uh, western, uh, e I'm sorry, eastern border of Israel and the western border of Jordan. <clears throat> and so we drove up that full mountain range and saw the Jordan Valley. <clears throat> 
during David's time and both before and after that shepherds traveled the Jordan Valley leading their sheep to provisions and to safety well I was able to travel some of this terrain and did so with fear and trembling one of the highlights of the Jordan tour was a visit to Petra <clears throat> Petra is an archaeological site made of stone that's in Jordan. There are 900 steps that you would climb when you get into Petra to reach the monastery that dates to about the 3rd century BC. And that is one of the highlights of that. And so there are options about getting to the top of this mountain range in Petra. You can either walk it and walk the 900 steps up and down, or you can hire a Bedouin and his mule to transport you up the steep incline. Well, my friend Lisa and I decided that we were going to take the mule up and back. Oh me, what a ride. It was a steep incline and the steps were worn to a shiny luster and they were slippery. And there were sharp, sharp drop-offs into the ravines far below. Well, the mule would then climb dangerously close to the edge and, and so I found that I had to really work on my balance and stamina and grit <laughs> to ride the mule. We, we quickly learned that you need to lean forward when climbing up and then lean back when going down. Well, we eventually arrived at the top and saw the monastery. And on this little this hillside overlooking uh, the monastery is a rest stop which offers beautiful padded benches and refreshments for the tourist and further along is this beautiful view of the surrounding hillside called Jabal's and valleys called wadis of the Jor Jordanian countryside it was such a wonderful experience for me to get to have so that I could see what it was like to look down into the valley. And on top of the Jabal, I spotted a Bedouin. And that Bedouin was in a cave and he was with his donkey and he pulled out of that cave and he got perilously close to the edge. And I thought any moment I was going to witness a tragedy. Both the hills and the valleys are treacherous. You know, there was um, a, another opportunity for us to go into the wilderness of Jordan. And so some of us in the group extended our trip and did that. And we set out in Jeeps and trucks and we saw the vastness of the wilderness. We saw camels uh, being led by their own uh, Bedouin guides uh, and leading others on a tour of that wilderness. Uh, we climbed the rocky steeps and uh, I remember uh, my friend Edith and I and we have a picture of us on this rocky ledge in the red sandstone and so we were up high uh, on this ledge but we felt pretty secure and safe we weren't that far off of the ground but it was a reminder of how slippery it could have been when the shepherds were leading sheep along these ledges you know if it had been much higher and we had slipped we could have 
uh, lost our lives, but uh, where we were standing, uh, it, it, we, if we had fallen, we could have broken a limb or two in that little valley. You know, the rocks and ridges uh, were as far as we could see. Have you ever found yourself in a forlorn valley? One that seemingly has no green pasture or still water. Have you ever lived between a rock and a hard place where there just does not seem to be a way out? That's the image that David is creating for us when he shares that our Father is with us in the valleys. Shepherds in mountainous areas usually keep their sheep at home and there's usually a fenced area where they can graze and where they are fed grain in the winter time. But when the snow subside in the high mountain, it's better that the sheep take their flocks and when the snow melts, go to find the pasture land. They eventually move up to the timberline. And above that timberline, there are all kinds of pastures with green and fresh fields. The air is clean, the water is clear, and there is a spectacular view. There's a sense of excitement when the sheep realize it is time to go through the gates. A sense of anticipation where they are going to get out of that confined area where they have been and they will get to go up the mountainside. And so while there is this enthusiasm and excitement to go to a place where there is going to be fresh water and where they can graze, it is a t difficult journey. It's not an easy path up to the mountain because the, the sheer cliffs are, are where sheep can't really climb. So they have to snake their way around the cliffs. And so it's, it's not a simple task. It's the only way it can be done though. And it can be very dangerous. There can be flash floods, there can be predators, and there are risk of falling and dropping significant distances that can injure or, or kill the sheep. But there's a wonderful part of this. The shepherds are with them. It is the shepherd's responsibility to care for them, to know where the canyons are, to know where the valleys are, and to shout it out to them, and to, to scout out the path ahead, and to know where the dangers are, and to pick the path that while it may be dangerous, is the safest path of all. That's what our shepherd does for us. Our shepherd guides us through those rough, torturous mountain paths that might lead us into a valley. That's where we want to be so careful to listen and to watch the shepherd as he guides us so we won't fall into the treacherous valley. The sheep fear falling deep into the valley. But remember, the shepherd knows how to navigate the ridges and the valleys. I took a picture of uh, a spot in Aqaba, Jordan. It lies near the Red Sea. It is filled with a mountain and desert view. In that image, you can see a shepherd is leading his flock on a cliff. 
you can see there is a valley beneath, but he's leading them safely to find provisions. The rocky ridge is above and the valley is below. And as long as those sheep follow the shepherd, they are safe. The valley of the shadow of death is what David calls this. Um, he, the Hebrew word that is translated into the shadow of death is one word. It's called Salmaway. And the best translation is probably to call it the valley of the deepest darkness, a dark shadow. It's not completely wrong to call it and refer to it as a figure of death, but there's more to it when you study the Hebrew word. In the NIV and the NLT, the translation is the darkest valley. Even during a bright sunny day, the depths of a canyon can be covered by a dark shadow, making it difficult to see the danger. You know, that's an interesting thought for us to think of when we are facing a, a, a part, portion of our life where we need to make decisions and we don't want to fall into a deep valley. But what we're reminded of is that sometimes the valley can be covered by a dark shadow. And if we don't let the shepherd lead us and guide us, we may even unwittingly fall into a deep valley. Well, David's mind could have been on any sort of things that were connected to a dark shadow. It could really have been applying to death and the fear of death and the thought of death. We know he had been chased by Saul. We know that he was faced by animals and he had been in battle with animals. He had been in wars. It could have been that, but also we could see that it could be the dark, deepest, dark part of life. Well, it, it's not just a dark place. It's the darkest place within the darkness, the dark of the darkness, it can be called. The darkness made it more difficult to see threats that might be lurking behind the crags and the crevices. What's the darkest dark that you have ever experienced? We live near Ruby Falls. Have you ever experienced that moment of darkness in that cave where the lights all go out and then they bring the light on so you can see the beautiful glow and the images within the cave? Well, have you ever traveled on a dark road in the country with no lights for miles? Well, sadly, many in our area have experienced full darkness when storms and tornadoes have taken down the power, and that can be a frightening experience also. I've shared before that about 35 or 40 years ago, I woke up in total darkness. I experienced complete blindness. It was called an ocular migraine. I had sudden and severe reduced blood flow in the vessels of my retina. I was seen by a doctor and it was restored in a few hours, but that was a scary time of darkness. We've all been through a range of dark periods in our lives from dark to the darkest of darkness. 
if we dare give a degree to darkness. But what are the degrees of darkness you've experienced? It goes anywhere from sad and dif disappointing times to tragedies to death. You know, there's a range of experiences we all have, and, and for some, the deepest, darkest might not be the deepest, darkest to others. But we all have experienced a time of darkness. Sheep had a range of fears and a range of the deep dark also. The valley of the shadow of death is a metaphor for life's darkest days when, when one is weighed down by sadness sickness, oppression, and danger. In the context of Psalm 23, it may refer to David's horrible suffering in the hands of his enemies. You know, the Judean wilderness, it shows where uh, David could have lived running away from Saul. It's a place called En Gedi and the area of Masada. And that is a place of rocky crags and mountainsides and rocky hills and no vegetation to speak of and there are caves there and that is where he ran for fear of his life. John Bunyan fa famously developed the idea of the valley of shadow of death in Pilgrim's Progress and he refers to it as a deep dry gully in the desert with a difficult and narrow path and his character Christian has to pass on this his way to the celestial city you know there's a beautiful waterfall in Engedi and David likely walked through the, by that waterfall a symbol of hope even in the deepest and darkest valley there's a place in southern Israel uh, called the Red Canyon, and the Red Rhinestone Gorge is about a thousand feet long, and it's only six to twelve feet wide. That was an example that I was able to see of how fearful and treacherous it could have been, and how animals would have been frightened uh, to look over and see that they might have might fall to their death there. Sheep traveling through a dark valley could be swept away by a flash flood. But David says, even though there are situations like that, he said, I will fear no evil. So he has said, even though I walk through the deepest, darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. The word for evil, ra, can also be translated calamity. The original Hebrew means that which causes harm, misfortune, trouble, danger, destruction, or injury of any kind. The greatest threat to a flock of sheep was predatory animals. And in ancient Israel, that would have included lions and bears. But David said, even though we may be facing lions and bears and misfortune and trouble and danger I will not fear. God repeatedly gives reassurance of his presence to his faithful followers throughout the Bible. Here's what he told the patriarchs in Genesis 26, fear not for I am with you. 
He said this to the armies of Israel in Deuteronomy. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. He told Joshua and the people of Israel as they prepared to fight their enemies within the promised land. He says this in Deuteronomy, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us of God's promise. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. See, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is our God. And he promises, even though we go through the deepest, darkest valley, there is no need to fear because he is with us. Life is hard in the valley of the darkest dark, but God is with us. We need this reminder when we're in our own dark valley. We each have different experiences, but we all experience a dark valley. We call them different names. Some are walking through the dark valley of failure or the valley of broken relationships, or maybe through the valley of sickness, or maybe you've been through the valley of divorce, or maybe through the valley of bankruptcy or betrayal or financial ruin of some sort. There's also a valley that's filled with shadows that's called unemployment or addiction. There are valleys that are called depression and death. George Ivernus was a 19th century American landscape artist. Look up his depiction of the valley of the shadow of death. There are some valleys that are really difficult to talk about, some that are so deep and so dark that even through the, though the years have passed, it's hard to come up with words and to fight back emotions. Those are tough valleys, like the death, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, the valley of children walking away from the faith, the valley of a past life that hasn't been put to rest. The valley of a terrible illness that's filled with pain and suffering. The valley of disappointments one after another, not allowing a break in between. The valley of victimhood and the valley of other painful memories. All of these are the valleys that we fear. We fear that life's contentment might be snatched away from us, taken away in some horrible experience never to be regained. It is a path that in one way, there is not a way out, but there is a way through. These valleys are an inevitable part of our life's journey. Scripture tells us this, it gives us hope, though, in our sufferings. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you 
as though something strange were happening to you. We know the shepherd is with us in the valley. The shepherd cares for his flock in the deep valley. The Wadi Kelt is a deep gorge in the Judean wilderness. It goes from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's one of the places that's considered as the valley of the shadow of death. I saw shepherds were seen uh, above the Wadi Kelt leading sheep along with their goats down this hillside. Shepherds still guide their flocks along these paths with their rods and they lead them to the calm spring-fed waters of the wilderness. Let's look at biblical events believed to have occurred in this valley of the shadow of death, the Wadi Kelt. For thousands of years, travelers between Jerusalem and Jericho have followed this 17-mile-long path through the Wadi Kelt, facing danger from falling wild animals and thieves hiding in many of the caves. Shepherds still led their sheep through it. Here's something that occurred there. King David's conflict with his son Absalom occurred there. Zedekiah's battle with the Babylonians happened there. Those were two frightening and fearful events. But God was with them. In the valley of the shadow of darkness, there's also light. By the time of Jesus, the Romans had built a road through the Wadi Kelt that became the setting for the only parable of Jesus tied to a specific geographic location. The traveler rescued by the Good Samaritan had been beaten by thieves and left to die by passing countrymen along this dangerous road to Jericho. The Good Samaritan did his good in the Valley of Darkness. And guess who else traveled in the Valley of Darkness? None other than Jesus Christ. Jesus traveled from Jericho to Jerusalem in his triumphant entry on Palm Sunday right through the Wadi Kelt. Jesus is in the valley. He leads us in the valley. When in the valley we sometimes forget that there have been previous verses in Psalm 23. Remember the passage we learned last week. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's with us in the valley. We sometimes forget that he is leading us in paths of righteousness, the good paths, the right paths. Those are the paths that help us wind our way through the deep and dark valleys. The deep and dark valleys of life are not necessarily there because we've done something wrong. In fact, often that is precisely the path that we have gone down because we've done something right and bad things have still happened. The deep, dark valleys, remember, are never a destination. They are a part of our journey along the way. The words are carefully chosen in this passage. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not to it. There's a high ground on the other side, and that's the ultimate destination. These sheep are at peace and fearless as they pass through dangerous areas because they know the shepherd 
will protect them. God is always present with his people to protect us. <coughs> no, excuse me. In our own trying circumstances, let's again focus on the promise of this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Even though. I want you to write that down. Write down even though. And then I want you to write down what your circumstances of fear is. Even though I go through and then put down whatever it is, disappointment or loss or sorrow or disease, aging, health problems, whatever it is. Write that down. And then write this down. I will not fear because you're going through with me. You're going through. I know this part of my journey of life is not the destination. I will fear no evil because you're with me. I will trust you as my shepherd because you always provide and you will this time too. Now, why is it that David says, I don't need to fear? Well, he refers us to the rod and the staff. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's what the Living Transla New Living Translation says. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. See, the reason I don't need to be afraid is because he's close. He's as close to me as I will let him be. He is as close to me as I will let him be. And he has a rod and a staff to protect and comfort me. The shepherd walks in front of the flock so to be the first to encounter any potential predator. The sheep trust in the shepherd's rod and the staff to protect them from danger. A shepherd typically carries those items with him. So he would first have a rod, and the rod is a sturdy stick. It has a knob on one end. It's probably two, two and a half feet long. Sometimes the knob even had nails in it as a, to make it a better weapon to fight off wild animals who might want to make a meal out of his innocent sheep. The shepherd also uses the rod to help him count the sheep in his flock. At the end of the day, when the flock is heading into the fold, the shepherd would stand at the gate of the sheepfold. He would hold out the rod and the flock would go underneath it and the shepherd counted them one by one. It gives a beautiful image of counting sheep, doesn't it? The shepherd is making sure that each one is counted and each sheep recognizes his own importance. Each one can say, my shepherd cares for me. So the rod is a symbol of the Lord's strength and protection. Our fifth promise in Psalm 23 is protection. Well, the shepherd also carries a staff. It's usually about five feet long. The staff was used as a walking stick for the shepherd, who could also use it to direct his sheep and move them around as he needed to. They could get in all sorts of 
of trouble. So I imagine he was pretty busy with his staff. If a sheep became trapped in a precarious position, the shepherd would loop that curved in around the staff, the uh, end of the staff around the neck of the sheep and bring it back to safety. The shepherd's staff is a symbol of the Lord's guidance and comfort. Our sixth promise in Psalm 23 is comfort. For even further protection, shepherds often carried a sling comprised of a leather pouch uh, on a string and, and placing a stone in the pouch. And those stones were usually large. This would have been maybe like the one David used against Goliath, may have been the size of a baseball. And a skilled shepherd could fling those rocky projectiles over a great distance and scare off or wound an animal. Together, the rod and the staff and this sling paint a picture of a divine shepherd. He is strong, he is competent, and he is trustworthy. He is present with his sheep, ready to defend and watch over them. See, the images we have had before this is that shepherd lovingly leading the sheep to water and to meadows and to a place of rest. And now we see a shepherd who has all the tools, the implements he needs to protect his sheep. We see a fearless shepherd who's going to go after anything that comes between him and his sheep. Knowing we have such a shepherd who's ready to protect us from danger, to keep us close and rescue us, brings us great comfort. Ask yourself these questions. Do I believe the Lord is my shepherd and I have all I need? then even though I am in a period of darkness, I know He's with me. Do I believe He lets me rest in green pastures and leads me beside peaceful streams and He renews my strength? Do I believe that? Then even though I'm in a dark period of sadness or loss or rejection or depression, I know He's guiding me. Do I believe he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name? Then even though I have fallen off the path through a period of darkness, he'll lead me back to his path, the right path, and I will glorify him for it. Do I really believe this? Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. If I believe that, then I am confessing to the world that I am confident in the goodness of God and I can say with full assurance, even though I go through dark times, God is with me. I can believe these promises, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my darkness, my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? I can say during the darkest of dark times, the Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? 
I can say as Psalm 56 3 says when I am afraid I will put my trust in you and in the darkest most trying times I will remember that God is near and will say to me as in Psalm 34 the Lord is close to the brokenhearted he rescues those whose spirits are crushed when we believe and claim and live into these promises of our Good Shepherd, we can say with confidence, I will fear no evil, for you are close beside me. It's then that we can walk in the meadows near the still waters and find rest. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words of Psalm 23 and this reminder that you lead us to meadows and you lead us to water and you lead us to rest and we can be confident there because you are a shepherd that will let nothing between you and me and him if we let that happen help us to make that claim and that promise today it is in Jesus name I pray amen Thank you for joining and don't miss next week's conclusion of this series. I'm going to take us through this wonderful journey of the promises of God in the face of enemies. And we're going to see what surely goodness and mercy means in Hebrew. Thank you.